Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, July 5th, 2018. Happy belated 4th of July to my fellow Americans uh, that watch this channel. And I uh, want to remind everybody there will be a uh, members vid chat tomorrow. This will be the European African time zone vid chat, which is scheduled for 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time tomorrow afternoon. As usual, I'll probably be here early for pre-chat and um, send in your questions now, your questions, your comments now. Um, make sure that we have something to talk about. Otherwise, you're going to have to listen to me. <laughs> anyway, lots going on uh, since our last uh, news and views. Uh, Chancellor Merkel has managed to survive and hang on to power for dear life. However, she, um, she is experiencing some pain, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. I've linked three articles. One is the New York Times coverage of uh, the article, and then there's a Zero Hedge article, and I want to be spending some time with that because there's now an interesting phenomenon that I think is going to transform European politics for the long term if the Italian Deputy Prime Minister Matteo Salvini has anything to say about it. We're going to get back to that. But here's what Merkel has managed to do. She's managed to survive, and I do want to comment briefly about what I think this portends. This is the New York Times article by um, Katrin Benhold and Melissa Eddy. Uh, the title of the article, Merkel, to survive, agrees to border camps for migrants. And I'm reading the first few paragraphs of this article. Chancellor Angela Merkel, who staked her legacy on welcoming hundreds of thousands of migrants into Germany, agreed on Monday to build border camps for asylum seekers and to tighten the border with Austria in a political deal to save her government. It was a spectacular turnabout for a leader who has been seen as the standard bearer of the liberal European order, but who has come under intense pressure at home from the far right, and please notice that characterization, and from conservatives in her growing coalition over her migration policy. Although the move to appease the conservatives has exposed her growing political weakness, Ms. Merkel will limp on as chancellor. For how long is unclear. The nationalism and anti-migrant sentiment that has challenged multilateralism elsewhere in Europe is taking root fast in mainstream German politics. Ms. Merkel agreed to the latest policy after an insurrection over migrant policy led by her interior minister, Horst Seehofer, threatened to bring down her coalition. Mr. Seehofer demanded that Germany block migrants at the border if they have no papers, or have already registered in another European country. Apparently, common sense is now far right for the New York Times. Ms. Merkel, who supports free movement across Europe's borders, has been opposed to any moves effectively restricting, pardon me, effectively resurrecting border controls until Monday night when she made the deal to stay in power. So, in other words, Angela has done a flip-flop and as the article, I think, accurately puts it, uh, she's going to limp along as chancellor for now. And this is the problem. Merkel, and I want to get back to this later, 
but Merkel has so weakened her chancellorship that I suspect the old rivalries now between Germany and France are going to resurrect themselves because Macron is making the play now to be the leader of the European Union, and I don't think this is going to play too well in Italy, where it's already not playing too well. Um, and this means the Germans are going to want a stronger chancellor. And I suspect that this deal is going to create problems for Chancellor Merkel that could ultimately bring down her government. Now, whether that will issue in a new coalition or new elections remains to be seen. I suspect eventually we're going to see German, uh, some new German elections, even though this runs counter to the German political tradition. I think it's going to happen. And the reason why I think it's going to happen is I think now Germany and her policy has led Germany to be kind of overwhelmed and overtaken by the course of events going on elsewhere in Europe. So Germany is no longer driving the agenda. It's reacting to it. And that's not... Um, a place traditionally that Germany is like to be in. So I want to go to a Zero Hedge article here that is very interesting to me about what's going on in terms of the Italian part of this picture. Remember, I told you, watch Italy, because Italy is going, I think, to play the major role now in remaking the internal political opposition within Europe, not necessarily to... Uh, a European common market, but I think in opposition now to the kind of multicultural global loanee policies that we've seen the technocrats in Brussels promoting. And as I pointed out many times, this is a cultural, not a political phenomenon we're watching in Europe. And it's very difficult to separate the two because in the past, these kinds of movements, when they blend with culture, have tended to end up becoming either populist or fascistic in nature. Time is going to tell if that's going to happen. But for the moment, I don't suspect that that's really what the agenda is. Now, this Zero Hedge article titled, Italy's Salvini Vows to Create Pan-European Association of Nationalist Parties, I want to read the first few paragraphs of this article and then point out three things, one positive for Mr. Salvini, and then two that could be taken to be negative, at least one in a neutral position and one negative, all right? This is, this is an all-important movement, and it's going to encounter some bumps along the road, and there are going to be some significant bumps. We're going to get back to that after I finish these paragraphs. Having taken Italy by storm and threatening to prematurely terminate the career of German Chancellor Angela Merkel with his staunch opposition to further European migration, Matteo Salvini, leader of Italy's Populist League, said on Sunday, he wanted to expand its success to create a pan-European association of like-minded nationalist parties. During a keynote speech at the League's annual gathering in the countryside north of Milan, Salvini said the League would govern Italy for the next 30 years, receiving rapturous applause from thousands of flag-waving supporters, according to Reuters. Quote, To win, we had to unite Italy now... We will have to unite Europe, unquote, 
Salvini boomed, adding that he is, quote, thinking about a league of the leagues of Europe bringing together all the free and sovereign movements that want to defend their people and their borders, unquote. What we have managed to do this year, next year, we will have to do at the continental level. Salvini said, eyeing the elections for the European Parliament in May 2019. In his appeal to build a network of right-wing nationalist parties around Europe, Salvini cited France's National Front leader Marine Le Pen, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, and Austrian Chancellor Sebastian Kurz, among others. All right. <coughs> Pardon me. This is exactly what I think and suspected was going on. The target here now is the European Parliament elections. And there have been, as I have pointed out before in these blogs, there have been conferences. Oh, boy, sinus bad today. <coughs> Pardon me. There have been these conferences of these anti-refugee parties in Europe and the attempt by the mainstream to portray them as far right. Now, in the case of the National Front in France, its history is certainly that. Uh, I think, however, these, these conferences that we've seen among these various leaders, Herrick Wilders, Marine Le Pen, uh, Sebastian Kurtz, these have been more or less ad hoc affairs. What I'm sensing that Salvini is up to here is that he wants to make this a much more organized, uh, concerted effort. In other words, he recognizes, as he's kind of intimating here, that there's a cultural agenda that's been in place in Brussels and Berlin, and for that matter in Paris, that's been driving the agenda in the European Union. And he's saying that there has to be a different cultural agenda, if I'm reading him correctly, in order for the European Union to survive, all right? Now, I think that means that you're going to see the Italians organizing these efforts at a much deeper level. And I think one of the effects of this organization is going to be they're going to try and coordinate party platforms amongst these various nationalist parties to the extent that they are able to do. That means alternative for Deutschland in Germany, uh, Viktor Orban and his party in Hungary, Sebastian Kurz in Austria, Hert Wilders in the Netherlands, Marine Le Pen in France, and ultimately this is probably going to reach out to engulf Spain and Greece as well. They're going to try to coordinate party platforms. This is my prediction. And they are going to try and coordinate their efforts across their national boundaries to gain a major voice inside the European Parliament. So you, if they're successful, what that means is you can expect Nigel Farage and Marine Le Pen, who've been kind of the lone voices inside the European Parliament, are going to have sudden backup with lots of new voices, all right? And that's going to be major if they can pull it off. And again, as I've been saying, watch Italy, because Italy is going to try and drive this process. Now, as I mentioned when I started with the New York Times article, there's three factors here now that you've got to watch, in my opinion. One is positive for the Italians, the other is kind of neutral for them, and the third is a bit of a problem, all right? The positive factor is that Salvini and his group are coming to the attention of the Trump administration, and the Trump administration is liking what they're hearing. Now, 
in the background of this, what I suspect is really probably the case is you'll recall the Italians were quietly behind the scenes trying to figure out how they could get around the sanctions regime against Russia. I suspect that there's some quiet uh, three-way talk in the wake of the upcoming Putin-Trump summit that includes the Italians to some degree in uh, trying to get a handle on what aspects of sanctions can be rolled back that will be beneficial for everybody, all right? I suspect, there's no evidence for this as yet, but I suspect that Italy has been kind of lurking in the background here. So that's a positive thing that, that Salvini has going for him. The neutral thing is one of the countries in Europe that we don't often talk about, which has seen a sudden surge of precisely this type of nationalist party surging to the forefront in, in politics, and that's Sweden. Now, the problem in Sweden is, as far as I can tell, if there's anybody in Sweden that can give me a handle on this, as far as I can tell, the party in Sweden does tend to have a neo-fascist background, but it has gained in popularity because it's one of the few parties standing up to the overrunning of Sweden by a bunch of refugees. Whether or not it performs in any upcoming elections in Sweden remains to be seen. This is kind of a neutral phenomenon. I don't know where to go with this because it could be the kind of phenomenon that we've seen in Austria and Germany uh, or in Hungary, or it could be an actual uh, fascistic type of reaction trying to co-opt that anti-migration, anti-multicultural agenda that we've seen coming out of Brussels. So time will tell. The negative component here, the one that could be the major upset, the major game breaker for this cultural realignment in Europe will be Poland. Poland, like Hungary, has already been bucking the European Union diktats on migrants and so on. It's just simply absolutely refused to do any of it. But Poland is also playing a very, very dangerous diplomatic game because Poland has been in the forefront along with the Baltic states of having American uh, bases moved out of Western Europe and into permanent bases in Poland. And again, history is the driving factor here. Poland does not want to be caught between Germany and Russia as it was prior to World War II. Uh, and it's, it's banking on the American presence from creating that Russo- German rapprochement and, again, placing Poland into a very difficult position. But in terms of what this means for a trans-European uh, movement is, is difficult because the rest of Europe is primarily, as far as I can tell, particularly among these nationalist parties, is wanting a rapprochement with Russia. It certainly is in favor of increased trade with the Shanghai Accord nations, and particularly Russia. Russia is, uh, from the Russian standpoint, Europe is Russia's largest trading market. And again, from the Europeans' point of view, Russia's a natural trading partner. Poland could threaten that agenda, even though it stands with the cultural agenda. And this is why I think Poland is now going to be a crucial part of uh, Europe to watch, 
because depending on what Mr. Salvini has in mind to create his European cultural alliance of, of all of these different parties, if he tries to extend that beyond the cultural into the economic sphere, then Poland is going to be a problem. So how Poland squares with this, he's going to have to reach out to the Poles because they have been, as well as Hungary, they have been some of the loudest protesters to this open border, let's take them all policy. So um, the advantage that he has there is, of course, Poland is a Roman Catholic country, as is Italy, so there is some common ground there but it's going to be on economic rather than cultural policy that you might see some divisions. So those three things I think now are the things we have to watch for over the next year. Uh, Italian-American relations, particularly with the Trump administration in office and this new government in Italy. Then we have to watch Sweden and what's going to happen there as this movement is either going to be co-opted or get out of any sort of fascist associations. And then Poland itself, which I think is now kind of a linchpin in, in Europe for the direction that Europe is going to take. Um, I can see Poland perhaps going along with a looser Atlanticist ori orientation than it has now, but there are going to have to be some pretty stiff guarantees for that to happen. So those three countries I think now are, in addition to Italy, watch Sweden and watch Poland. Uh, we might throw Spain in there as well because there's a new government in Spain that we haven't really heard much out of yet, but I guarantee you that uh, they are talking uh, between Rome and Madrid right now. So lots of stuff going on. Merkel's days, like it or not, I think are numbered simply because events are going to overtake her. She's now weakened her chancellorship by the nutty policy she imposed to begin with. And really no one wants to deal with her anymore because now she's exposed herself as willing to turn on a dime in order to stay in power. So I don't see many people wanting to deal with Angela Merkel much longer. So lots of stuff to watch for in these next months, folks. Don't forget tomorrow the vid chat at 2 p.m. Like I say, I'll probably be there early uh, for our usual pre-chat banter and uh maybe hang around a bit afterwards. That will be at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I'll probably start early around 1.30, and I should be perhaps in the pre-chat by 11.30 or noon. So I hope to see lots of people there, and uh, send me questions, comments. Remember, these vid chats are driven by you. I don't set the agenda. You do. So please send the questions if you've got them. All right, we'll see you next week, and bye-bye. God bless. See you on the flip side.